You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage Podcast, the podcast designed to help you save your marriage no matter where it is. And guess what? It might be a wide number of different places. You might be at the beginning of a relationship. I hear from people who listen to my podcast to figure out how to avoid problems down the road. A great solution. In fact, when I was writing my uh, program that's in the Save the Marriage system, I actually designed it to help people understand how to have a great relationship. And it was really designed for people at any stage. And the problem was nobody was interested until they were in trouble. And the fact is how you save your marriage at the uh, struggle point of a relationship, at the place where it's in trouble, is the same uh, approach you use at the beginning to get it on track and keep it on track. So you might be at the beginning where you're trying to avoid the problems. You might be further along where you're at a point of crisis. Either one. We're here to talk about how you move forward with this and how you can find your way to the relationship that both you and your spouse would treasure. And that kind of brings us to the topic of today, which is from Patrick. He submitted a question. Um, Sometimes I try to take questions. In fact, I often try to take questions from listeners because then I know if you're asking it, others might be asking it too. But it's the Goldilocks question I'm looking for. Uh, Sometimes people are so specific with their question. It only applies to their particular situation. And that is where you actually need some coaching. You need some help on that that is far beyond a podcast that is listened to by, you know, really thousands and thousands of people. And uh, so then there is the other side where it's so broad, like, how do I save my relationship? Well, that's why I created the system. And so I can't get that down into a 15 to 20 minute nugget for you. So that leads us to the Goldilocks just right question. And Patrick had that this week. He says, um, well, I avidly listen to your podcast. Can't, th- can't thank you enough uh, as listening helps me so much. But then he says, I am at a loss. Although I managed to avoid a separation by following the advice and allowing my partner some space, we have a huge problem. They claim, the spouse, uh, the partner, that they no longer love me. They like me as a friend. However, there's no romantic feelings anymore. I don't know how to help. Can you fall back in love? So there's Question number one, can you fall back in love? Question number two, how could I help my spouse? Patrick continues, I'm devastated. This could mean the end of a nine-year marriage. If this is something that could be discussed in your blog, I'd be eternally grateful. Well, Patrick, the way we discuss it in the blog is putting it on the podcast. So let's talk about this a little bit in a broader context. Let's talk about kind of the nature of love as it develops. You know, we are humans, we are wired as um, to this attraction piece, right? I see somebody and I have this physical attraction to them. And that's how many relationships start. You're attracted to somebody, you find them attractive. And it stirs uh, these feelings within you, uh, the butterflies in your stomach and, and kind of that, that desire level to it. And so that's a beginning level and it can happen Honestly, that can happen at any point with anyone. I mean, it's possible that you see someone and go, wow, they are attractive. And part of what we do in a marriage is we say, but I've chosen to stay faithful to this person. I've made a commitment. And as it says in most uh, vows, to forsake all others. 
What it doesn't say is to neuter ourselves to the possibility that we might be attracted to somebody else. That's not how we're wired as humans. But that we decide to forsake all others, that we would keep space. We would put boundaries on our relationship because of that attraction level that is just the way we're wired. We say, but I'm going to stay with you. So the beginning point of any love relationship, there is generally, almost always, a strong attraction there. Scientists would tell you that that attraction is caused and driven by adrenaline. That's that butterfly feeling that you might get when you see that person. That's the same butterfly feeling you might get before you jump on the roller coaster or before you do something that's kind of a little risky, just you know, gets you a little excited, right? It's the same state in your body. Your body doesn't have a love attraction chemical versus a roller coaster attraction chemical. It's all about adrenaline. Now, notice that adrenaline always has the little fear to it. So I, I might want to do something and I'm scared. So how does that fit into love? Well, I might want to be with that person, but I'm scared I might lose that person all at the same time. And so it, it creates this feedback loop where I'm trying to feed the adrenaline, at least in the beginning, and make sure that that person is you know, wanting to be with me too. So there's a mutual attraction. And once we've made a commitment, the adrenaline attraction shifts over to an endorphin attraction. Maybe the butterflies aren't there so much, but the love is there. The commitment is there. The loving feelings are there. Maybe not the wild passion feelings, but the loving feelings are there. You know, we talk about this idea of being madly in love. And the fact is, that's a pretty good clinical term for what happens when we are that deeply in love. We're madly in love because our brain, the way our brain is operating, it kind of is on hyperdrive, so much so that sometimes we get this very tunnel vision where we only want to sp spend time with this person. We only want to focus on this person. We only want to be with this person to the exclusion of friends, of job, of you know, schoolwork. I remember me in college when I fell in love. You know, I had to make sure that I continued to study because that was not what I wanted to be doing. I wanted to be hanging out with my honey. And so part of what happens in that point is our brain goes into overdrive to the fixation on that person. That is, I think we can agree, a non-sustainable future. <laughs> you can't live the rest of your life that revved up. The problem is, as all that's happening, your brain is getting constant shots of dopamine, the feel-good uh, neurochemical dopamine is just spread through all your brain cells and it's just lapping it up, feeling good about that. And then when that goes away, there's a part of the brain going, wait, wait, what happened to that? I want that back. And that's part of what happens when people, you know, have an affair. They've been lured into this feeling that the excitement is back. The dopamine is back. The adrenaline is back. That must mean this is real love. Because when we fell in love the first time, all of that was present. And part of what we haven't done is we haven't made the jump to endorphin love. So what makes you feel good with endorphins? Endorphins are created when we do things for other people, when we do loving actions. And by the way, when somebody's doing loving actions for us, it's a back and forth. When we are doing loving actions and they are doing loving actions for us, we feel that endorphin love. 
And here's the problem. We didn't have to work at it in the beginning. We did the work in the beginning, right? But we didn't have to work at it. So sure, I was doing loving things for my, at that point, girlfriend. But I wasn't having to make a choice to do. It's just kind of automatic, almost, you know, trying to make sure I was continuing that adrenaline run, that dopamine run from that. And then we get to the place, usually sometime about 18 to 20 months, maybe 24 months after you start the relationship where the adrenaline begins to wear off. It's been wearing off for now, a while now, but your brain kind of goes back to normal. Good thing because you got to live your life, but we're not prepared for that because of all of the romantic notions that surround us in popular music and books and movies all around us about what that's supposed to be, we confuse this more mature love as being not real love and that the adrenaline chasing love, the dopamine loaded love, that's the real thing. So we've been sold a lie from advertising, from media, from authors and movie producers and music people it's just because it's the romanticized piece that we all want. So they give us what we want and around and around it goes. Then I believe it. So the nature of true love though, is about connection and maturing love in a marriage is about the connection that's nurtured by saying we are the team. We're in it together. And what happens is that many times we start neglecting that. I call it the pause button marriage. It's like there's a pause button there. You hit it because you got other things you want to do, right? So you spend all this time courting each other, falling in love, making big plans, walking down the aisle or however you got married, got together, made it a solid relationships. And then you went, okay, well, we've got that now. Let's go on to the other things like pause. Let's have kids. We'll focus on the kids. We'll be mom and dad or dad and dad or mom and mom. We're going to focus on the kids until they get to some age when, you know, we can get back to us. And this isn't done, you know, for any malicious reasons. It's not maliciousness as much as it's negligence. We don't even know we're doing it. But we kind of back off and we start nurturing other things in our life. We start nurturing the kids or nurturing our career because we have this idea of where we need to get to before we can get back to our relationship or other achievements. Maybe they are athletic achievements or social achievements or civil achievements or even more work achievements. But there are things that we do that we've we've hit the pause button. And what we have believed is that the marriage is there. You know, I've got this other person. I've made the commitment to be there. I've got this spouse. Now I can do these other things. And once I've got all those done, I'll come back to us. And sometimes it's even this kind of unspoken mutual agreement. Rarely is it really spoken, but we kind of agree. The kids will go off to school. We'll get back to ourselves. We'll start traveling the world and doing what we want. All the ways that we say, pause, we'll get back to this. The reality is relationships don't work that way. I mean, that's one of the things that 
I've realized in this past year, when you can't be in relationship to people, the longer you're not with them, the easier it is to not be with them. The longer you're not connected, the easier it is to not be connected and not notice that slowly, 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 those relationships are suffocating. Those relationships aren't getting what they need. It's, it's not the connection. The lifeblood of the relationship is draining from the relationship. And so every relationship has two options. It's either growing and expanding or it's in decline and it's beginning to move away. It's receding. That's the only th- two things it can do, expand or recede. There is no static in a relationship. If you don't give it energy, it will recede. So part of what happens in this is that you get to this place. And so I just want you to imagine that you've got um, a, a beaker that can hold some water and you're pouring water. And by the way, at the bottom of the beaker, there's a hole. So it's coming out of there. In order to fill the beaker, you've got to fill it faster than it's emptying. So you're pouring it in as it's coming out the bottom. You've got to fill it faster to keep it filled up. The feeling of being in love is when you keep that beaker to the point where it's basically overflowing with connection. And when you put the, hit the pause button, maybe you don't do it completely. You know, maybe you say, oh, okay, we'll have a date night. And yeah, every now and then we'll go take a trip. And so you keep adding into that beaker, just not as fast, not as fast as it's draining out. And so slowly over time, the beaker starts to get more and more empty. And there comes a point when people will say, you know, they go from in love to, okay, I love you, right? So that's the first stop. I'm not in love with you, but I do love you. And then as it goes on, they go, well, I have love for you. I have care for you, kind of like a friend. That's the next stop down the emptying beaker. If it goes on down, there ends up being a problem because we humans need that connection. And if we're not getting the connection, we begin to feel at a deficit, not just for this other person, but needing it in our life. And so it's not just about being disconnected from this spouse. It's about feeling the desperation to get that connection somewhere. So we start finding it in other places. Maybe it's more investment in the kids than the kids even need or at work or a friend or an affair or a hobby, but somewhere we're trying to get that connection back in to refill the beaker. We just don't know that's what we're doing. We don't know what we're trying to do is find another source to pour into our beaker to keep that needed level of connection in our life full. So Patrick, that's kind of what's happened. At least that's my prediction. Without knowing any backstory for you, my guess is over time, you two let your beakers get less and less filled, put less and less in them. And over time, that's gotten to the place where a spouse is going, you know, I mean, yeah, friend, sure, I feel that. But that's it. And so there's no romantic feelings anymore tells me the connection has gotten to the point where I'm not in love with you and maybe not even I love you, but we're kind of like friends, right? And so once we get to that point, then the relationship is in trouble because many times somebody is finding the connection needs from other places in life and is no longer even looking at it from the marriage. That's when people begin to say, I just don't know if I need to be in this relationship. 
So your question, can that change? Can somebody fall back in love? The answer to that is, yeah, you sure can. But you got to undo what's been undone, right? You got to refill the beaker. You got to start working on rebuilding the connection. And many times you're doing that when a spouse or significant other is not looking for it from you because they're getting it somewhere else, right? It's not that they're at a deficit. They probably are at some deficit of connection, but it's not like they're at an absolute deficit because the only place in life where they're getting that connection is you. It's just that you need to be more of the connection for them, that connection need that we all have. And so part of the lesson that I've learned is there is a danger in people suddenly turning on the connection switch. It's like if your yard, you know, has slowly over time, the rain quit coming and you're watching it get more and more brown. And then finally you go, you know what, I'm just going to pour water on. So you take the sprinkler out, you pull it full blast and you just let that thing go for you know several days. And what you'll notice is because of the grass already being at a hardened place and the ground being hard, many times all it does is just kind of push everything away, just slides away because it can't handle that. It gets flooded out and carries away all the nutrients. Instead of it seeking in, seeping in, it just goes right off the surface. And so you've got to start much more slowly and start building up to that connection. What I talk about in my program is the importance of that connection and how to do it because there are really two pieces you want to bring in this. One is the slow rebuild on the connection and the other is your own new energy in life. Because the other problem in life is that we all get stagnant. We all stagnate. We all find this place where maybe we've been growing and changing and then suddenly we hit this place in life and we're just like, you know, I'm done. No new hobbies, no, no, nothing new coming into my life, no new energy. I'm done, right? I'm, I'm now in con- conservation mode. And many of us get stuck listening to the same music, eating the same food, being around the same people, believing the same ideas, having nothing that challenges any of that. And we grow stagnant in that too. So now we have a stagnant relationship and our stagnant life. So we have to revive our relationship and revive our life, bringing new energy into that because they cross-pollinate each other. Part of the reason you need energy in your life is so you can bring it into the relationship. Part of your relational growth allows the individual growth. And so it goes back and forth. It's why I link up my Thrivology and Save the Marriage process so that both sides of that equation are getting nurtured. So you want to build on the connection. But here's the trick. You say, how could I help my spouse? That's really the wrong question. How can I rebuild my relationship would be a much more useful question. Because your spouse isn't asking for help. Your spouse isn't saying, hey, come fix this for me. I've got this disconnection. What can you do for me? Your spouse is going, I don't believe that you're the one. I don't believe that you have what I need. And so you have to go towards rebuilding the connection, not helping your spouse. So the focus needs to be on rebuilding the connection between the two of you and working to bring new energy into your own relationship. If you haven't yet, Patrick, don't just listen to the podcast. Please grab my Save the Marriage system. 
Now, there are a couple of reasons why. One is we start off with a diagnosis of where your relationship is. And I go through a step-by-step process of telling you what needs to happen at, at multiple stages. Then we deep dive into what went wrong and how to write that, how to get back to a better place. Then I even have a, a whole uh, part of it, a whole module on how do you deal with the anger and resentment that comes from this hurt, from disconnection. Then I talk about what do you do if your spouse just is resistant? That's the down and dirty God. How do you still work on that? It's all part of the system. I have a lot of other pieces to it too, but two critical pieces that'll really help is I also offer you a free week of my VIP program. It's where I talk about writing the apology letters, my apology letter formula. I have a fill in the blank plan that will help you get going. And I give that for free if you claim it. I don't force it on you, but if you claim it, you can grab that and jump in and start the process with tools at your disposal to get that going. That free week gives you time to build those pieces. And then you also can meet with one of my coaches for about a 15 to 20 minute get started session that will help you iron out that plan, get you moving forward, help you understand everything. So instead of focusing on how can you help your spouse, let's focus on how can you begin to work to reconnect your relationship and how can you work to bring some energy back into your life. So to start the process, Patrick, please visit me at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com grab the system, jump into the VIP program while you can for that free week, touch base with one of my coaches. Let's get this turned around by focusing on the right spot. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.